What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Before we jump into an awesome episode with my friend Jess Musgrave, a couple quick announcements. Uh, number one, quick shout out to a show sponsor for helping make uh, this whole production possible, and that would be uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Black Rifle Coffee has jumped on to help support the show, and I uh, want to give them a shout out and let you guys know that we do have a discount code. Uh, use code Vanguard for 20% off pretty much anything in the store, uh, including their subscription service, which is super cool. So be sure to use code Vanguard guard for that but also uh i spent a lot of time out in the backcountry right or air quotes backcountry kind of depending on who you talk to um but one of my favorite things from black rifle i guess there's two one is their steep bags they come in little individual like single serve packs that um you pretty much just drop in like a tea bag but it's coffee they're awesome i swear it is like better than um coffee from the pot like i'm not even joking you uh, in addition to that, I also like to use the instant packs. They're like little uh, pour in, stir it up, and it dissolves the coffee uh, into boiling water. Those things are awesome, especially if you're on the go, hiking, camping, back or backcountry hunting, backpacking, all of the things on the go, pour it in, stir it up, you're ready to go with some coffee. So be sure to check them out and use code Vanguard at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Um, but otherwise, please take a half a second to like subscribe and review the show it means the world to me helps me get more exposure more people seeing what's going on with this podcast and uh, hopefully uh maybe get some more messages out to people and uh you know get them inspired to do something um otherwise i do spend quite a bit of time more than i probably should on uh, the instagrams so if you're interested in connecting with me uh and seeing what life is like beyond the mic which is more catchy than it probably should be uh please feel free to follow me it's uh the vanguard project with periods in between and uh, i'd love to connect and uh, get after it but otherwise let's uh let's have a great episode you'll have a great day and let's roll it What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. Uh, for those of you new to the show, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some dude outside of Boise, Idaho, who likes to sit down and, and talk to people, get their stories, understand who they are, how they got to where they're at, maybe uh, share some tidbits of things that they've learned. So that way, if you're you know, trying to you know, figure out something new, get involved in something new, try something for the first time, uh, give you a couple of tools, maybe some way to think about it, get started. And uh, with that being said, I've got Miss Jess Musgrave on the phone with me, and uh, we're going to talk about how she got into art and some of the other things that she's working on. So Jess, I appreciate you hopping on the phone with me. We're talking mid-morning on Sunday right now. So how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to talk. We were supposed yeah. to talk last weekend. We were able to reschedule a couple things. You just got done moving, getting all moved in. Yeah. And I was out trying to trying to find some animals with one of my buddies. So thank you for, for <laughs> rescheduling. Yeah, no, you're good. And um, I'm happy that you went and spent time with him. And it, it just worked out great that the, the timing lined up to where I could actually film from my new studio. Right. Which looks really nice. I was looking at it. I saw you put a picture up last night and it looks very clean and professional. Well, I am uh, a little hypervigilant about cleaning because I can't paint in a dirty <laughs> space, which is hilarious because most artists are kind of messy. Um, but no, everything has to be very clean because I want it to feel like 
even if you're online and seeing it, that you feel like you can come have a cup of coffee here and just hang out, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. That's cool. And so, I haven't killed my plants yet. And I'm like, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> you got to get those. Um, my, my wife just bought some of the, the, little, the little glass bulbs that the they've bulbs got. that stick into the ground? Yeah. Yeah. She has some of those. And because we, so when my mother-in-law moved, um, we inherited one of her big plants that she couldn't take with her. And I think that's the only reason that it's still alive because neither of us have, I don't really have the patience or remember to, to water plants. And that I think is like been the sole reason that that, that thing hasn't died yeah. yet. I know. And I'm completely against plastic plants. And I'm like, but <laughs> It's not pretty whenever you have a ton of brown stuff behind <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I one of the things that I did when I first moved was set up the studio because I, I need a place to function. I, I haven't had, uh, like, to be honest, I've just been at my mom's house and hanging out with her um, for this last season. And I'm like, well, if everything fails, it's fine. I'll just record the podcast from my kid bedroom, um, <laughs> like where I grew up, but it'll be fine. Um, so I'm happy. I'm happy that I'm here and uh, kind of getting things together. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking about your studio for people that maybe don't know who you are, what you're up to. Do you mind giving us your introduction? Yeah. So um, my name is Jessica, but I, I go by Jess. Um, I run JM Artworks. That's my um, that's my baby. I'm the artist there. I love to put out content. And um, one of my things that I'm kind of known for is like my process because it's a little different. So as as an artist, um, I do a lot of like dark backgrounds stuff my online things tend to be more of like uh comic related or movie related and then I show at a gallery in Austin that's um more of my animals so if you're online and you see one of those two if it's an animal it's probably going to the gallery unless it's a commission piece um or if it's uh like a Marvel character it's usually someone's ordered it online um, but I run JM Artworks. I, on Instagram is JM Artworks Studio. And um, when I say studio, it's just like where I'm creative because I love to have music going and um, I'm a mom. So I usually have my kids running around. Um, they're with their dad today. But um, so you won't hear that. But I like to make it a little cozy place. So when I say JM Artworks, it's really more of like, I hate to say it's a place to be entertained, but it really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's fair. So have you always grown up like doing artwork or was it something later on that you developed? So as a child, um, well, a little bit of my background, I'm Puerto Rican. Okay. I was born in Texas because my dad was in the army. Um, and we moved to Puerto Rico, which is submersed in art and culture. Uh, I mean, like our culture is like art and music is everywhere. Um, you can't drive down the highway without seeing something like carved into the mountainside. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that I grew up artistically. Um, I grew up in a household of creatives. My mom is really creative. She she's she's good with her hands so she sews um she puts like 
flower arrangements together, um, which is harder than what it seems. That's, I should not be trusted with anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My grandmother worked on Fifth Avenue, um, so submersed with her type of artwork, which is really more of like pageant dresses, um, like like the pageant dresses for Miss Puerto Rico and every pageant kind of leading up to that, she would be hired to work on. Um, so I grew up submersed in art and then I naturally just gravitated towards painting. Like if you ask me to draw something right now, it's not going to be pretty, but if you ask me to paint that same thing, I can do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, through my teens, I, I would draw, like, I thought, okay, because I'm surrounded by seamstress, right? like people who can sew and like really cut a good garment. So I, I've always drawn um, outfits, dresses, and I thought, well, that's what I'll do. And then in high school, um, I was given an opportunity to interview for the Dallas Art Institute. Okay. And it was more for like uh, a, a half scholarship. So like half of the tuition being covered. And I thought, well, this is exactly what I want to do. And, um, and like, I say this with grace, like my parents were like, fuck that. You're not going to art school. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that didn't work out. And um, I did not, I was not able to go to the interview uh, for that scholarship, but I, it's amazing how I've still kind of have found a way to figure out how to work with my hands and be creative in a way that's really true to myself with no, uh, former education. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So you had no formal education doing it. How, how did you, I guess, what, what motivated you, what continued to push you to to continue painting? I mean, was it just the desire to, to be creative or was there, I guess, how did you continue to develop your skill? So there's always a desire to be creative. I mean, I, I, even at work when I'm, cause I had a career with Lexus, um, before I became a mom, even at work, I would try to find ways of being creative, even though it was super professional and, um, more of like dealing with the, the clientele that's there. It's like, how do I meet them on their level that way? Um, but for me, in my art, I have always painted. I've tried to draw. It doesn't work. Throughout my 20s, I kind of just played with acrylics, which it, when you see my work that I do right now, it is acrylic because um, there's like watercolor, oil, acrylic paints. Acrylic are like a latex water-based paint. Okay. Um, so they dry fast. Uh, it's not like an oil paint where you know, months later you can go and start blending. No, I have minutes to blend before something is dry. So throughout my twenties, I just kind of stayed painting. I went through some pretty bad hardships in my twenties. Um, some self-induced, which I still do (laughs) almost, almost at 40. Um, but for me, it was like just trying to find what works for me. My earlier work has a lot of color, Um, and it's more textured, like, uh, it's hard to, like, I would use molding paste to make scales and stuff. Okay. And I've gotten away from that just because it's not really my aesthetic. Sure. And, um, really what changed my artwork 
was my, uh, was my dad passing. Okay. So I went through a period where I just didn't, I couldn't paint. I mean, um, I became a stay at home mom. Uh, I had kids kind of back to back. My second pregnancy was really, really hard. So I couldn't function. I mean, I had IVs hooked to me mm-hmm. at home, um, just to try to keep my pregnancy. And, um, and then I didn't know how to cycle any of this out. Okay. So it kind of compacted. Sure. And then whenever my dad passed four years ago, it just kind of imploded. Um, and all of that had to come out and I picked up a paintbrush again. And that's when I started working with acrylics again. So okay. I like dabbled in some watercolor work, which is really cute stuff. Um, and it's, it's therapeutic to watch like the pigment spread on paperwork, um, on when you're doing watercolors. So I tend to do that with my kids now. Sure. And, um, what I have done throughout the years is fine tune the black and white work that you see online now. Yeah. So when it got really tough and, and you didn't want to paint or weren't able to paint, did you feel like, um, I guess, was there, was there no desire to paint and that you had to force yourself to pick up a brush and get after it? Or was that something that you kind of hit rock bottom and you're like, this is what I know. This is what I love. So it was a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I shut down okay. and, and part of that is like his, he passed on um, Easter night from a motorcycle accident, three minutes from his house not a scratch on his body, just wasn't wearing a helmet. Um, and we grew up riding. So the rule was, and because we've already had, um, a family member pass from not wearing a helmet, I would always tell him, wear your fucking helmet, dude. Like, like give it to me. I'll paint something cool on it. I told him I'll paint something really cool on it, but please wear your fucking helmet. And oh yeah, baby, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, I'm wearing, I'm wearing it. And, um, the call from my sister-in-law, like I knew, yeah, I knew what happened, but I had, this is really like, we're getting, we're getting, we're going to get into this. If you're okay, going down this route, let's do it. If you're, okay. I'm- um, so it, cause it helps knowing a little bit of the story to understand why the artwork looks the way that it is right yeah. now and why I tr- try to help people with it. Okay. So, um, on Easter night, I got a call saying he was in an accident. And I remember my sister-in-law's voice, like I knew it was bad, but a month prior was the last time that I saw him. And I am not kidding when I say, I knew that was the last time I was going to see my dad. I mean, I had this moment where, um, I, I was in my car and I prayed because I knew something inside of me was like, this is the last time you're going to see him. And I, I fought that because I, uh, creatively, I, you know, I tend to live like way in the future. And, um, and that, that comes out with stuff like this, where I'm like, you know, stop thinking like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I cannot describe it. I just knew. So when my sister-in-law called me that Easter night, like I knew, um, and seeing him, uh, in the hospital bed and having, I'm the oldest of three kids. 
So I tend to be the glue for my family. Um, I'm, my brother and my sister are solid people, but there's, I tend to be the one that's like, uh, I'm a harsh personality. Sometimes I'm like, get in fucking line, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I came into this, I came into the hospital room and had to manage like donating his organs and stuff. Yeah. And all of this caused me to just like, fucking stop grieving right where I saw everyone else be able to grieve after we said uh Biden my dad that's that is his flag and then mm. that's his donor flag okay so that that flag flew the day that he had his final OR mm-hmm. and um donated his organs um so that one is almost just as special to me as the under yeah. um but what happened with my dad he didn't have a will. So everything came to me to handle properly and honorably. Cause a lot of people are just fucking assholes whenever something like this happens and they worry about money or things. Cause they don't know how to grieve. Right. 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 So they start attaching themselves to stuff. So for that year, I just paused grieving and I, and to add, I had a newborn. My second had just been born. So, um, It was like postpartum. I moved from Dallas to Austin uh, a few weeks before he passed. And then I had a two-year-old and, and then all of this happened. And it was like, I was given this giant sack of shit to figure out. Right. So I spent that next year just handling his estate. And if you've never gone through it, it's hell. Because even when you're trying to grieve, you'll get a phone call like some random asshole asking you about how your dad died because they need to know for insurance paperwork. It's like, I don't want to keep reliving this. Right. So for that year it compounded and I hit a bottom and it was bad when I hit that bottom. And a lot of it was like, I had, I wasn't sleeping because I had this new baby who had just had surgery on his mouth. He had trouble with his mouth. Um, I had moved, so I didn't have my community from Dallas. And then um, my siblings and and me were spread out. One was here in Dallas. The other one was in Houston. I was in Austin. It was just, I commuted to Austin probably 50 times. I think I counted. I think it was 52 times before a year was over just handling this date with two kids, one of them being a newborn. So I would literally like drive. I had, this is TMI, but it it works (laughs) for parents. Uh, I had like a kid potty in the back, in the back of my car. So for my toddler, so I wouldn't have to like go into the gas station. It's like, go crawl over the seat, (laughs) you know, (laughs) pulling over and doing a Britney Spears and like speeding in the car. And I'm just like, this is a fucking mess, you know? So all of it compounded. Um, And when I said kid potty, it was for my kid to potty in, not for me. (laughs) Let's be, let's clarify. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like all of these things, I had to like structurally think about how to live in two places and handle this and and do it in an honorable way. So it just paused for a year. And then after I just hit a bottom, 
like it was, it was a long time coming. It came out. Um, I've struggled being suicidal and with depression, uh, since I was little. I mean, I think the first time I really thought about suicide, I was 12. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, good to go. Um, and I hit that bottom thinking, well, maybe my kids will be better without me. And that's when I was like, there's something really fucking wrong right now. Yeah. You know, um, so I got into counseling. Um, I sought a counselor. The situation in my household wasn't the most supportive or easiest to deal with. So that compounded. And then um, whenever I hit that, that bottom, it was like, there was nothing I could do. Like the grief had to come out. I just honestly didn't know where to direct it. And what happened was one of my good friends, she used to run um, like chair Wade's army, which is a neuroblastoma. It's a childhood cancer. Okay. And Wade, Wade was um, a kiddo that passed from neuroblastoma. So my friend Kate uh, was running Wade's army at the time and needed a fundraiser. And I offered to paint. I had not been, I hadn't painted in forever, but I thought, okay, I, maybe I can start just doing this painting. And, um, this is where my black and white work is came from. So I started, started working with the Wade's painting. It was like a portrait of an angel, um, I worked on it for like four hours, you know, um, and then I stepped away to do laundry. And when I say do laundry, I'm just like talking about folding laundry for a few minutes. One of my kids is at school. The other one was two years old at the time. And, um, for like 30 seconds, I didn't see where he went. <laughs> Total mom moment. He had gone and found, um, my black paint and, literally just painted right over the angel's face that I had yeah. worked on for four hours. And if a little bit of that, like I have a hard time with portraits. That's why I push myself to do a lot of faces now sure. because I'm training my brain how to work with it. Um, but at that time, like I had no understanding. So it took me four hours just to graph out the face and start blending paint. Okay. And he like perfectly just right up that face <laughs> uh, with black paint. So I went over there and I just thought, well, there's no way I can save that. Like I know acrylics, they dry fast yeah. and it was like clumpy. So I just went and kind of it smeared it, you know, to get the clumps out because it was still wet. But black paint is black paint. There's no way of canceling blackout. No. Um. So I, uh, at that point I just cried and left the painting alone for about three days. I mean, that night I just went and, uh, I started to grieve also. So coupling my grief, I started working out mm-hmm. and that is, this is super important. Um, so that night I was like, I'm going to go work out because there's really nothing that I can do other than slam a few barbells down and get it out that way. That way I don't come home and I still have this like, you know, of like all my work being a shot to hell in a moment. Right. Uh, but three days later, I picked up that black, same black paint, 
went and I just thought, okay, I will paint the canvas black because I didn't have a lot of money. So I had to use the same piece of canvas. I'll paint the canvas black and then I'll try going over it with white because the only education that I've received with art was one drawing course in college um, that was like one semester. But the one thing that I did really well there, and this is why I start my kids or if someone's interested in black and white work, I start them with um, scratchboard because scratchboard is black. And then when you scratch it, the white comes out. Yeah. Um, that one project I did really well with in college. And it was just like scratching a conch shell into scratchboard. And um, so I had a little bit of understanding of what white looks like on black, but I had never tried to go white on black with acrylic paints. And I redid that angel's face. It took me a month. Um, we ended up pivoting like mid project to okay. doing a lion because I started, uh, I started a lion piece. His name was Judah. And that was like, if you look at Judah, it looks like a lion, but it kind of looks a little human. And that was me grieving my dad. Okay. I cried during that painting. I got like, everything started flowing. Everything that had been pent up for that year. Yeah. It started flowing with that piece. So whenever my friend Kate saw the lion piece. She was like, that's what, you know, I know you're working on this angel, but, but the lion, it's amazing. Um, I did another lion for them because one of their, they work with Wade's army and um, Kate are tied to power athlete. Okay. So power athlete HQ. Um, they're amazing. Their coaching is amazing. Any of their coaches that are through that, through that system, like I trust. I trust to, to do well, to coach you well. So um, one of their symbols is a lion and they were interested in, in doing a lion because it tied the fundraiser to power athlete. And they thought we'll get more funds that way. Yeah. So we pivoted from the angel and I put the angel aside. Um, but that's where the black and white work was born from. It was from a mistake. My, I didn't watch my kid for 30 seconds and I had to figure it out. And that's kind of like how I do life now. <laughs> you know, when I get caught up in something, I just go back to that moment and say, okay, you've recovered from this and you can keep going. Um, and, and now the way that I view that artwork, it's like, how can I fine tune it and make it better? Okay. And that's why I'll leave all of my old artwork it's all on my Instagram because I want people to see the transition because I did watercolors and I was selling some watercolors, but it wasn't that I was processing anything with it. Right. And that painting Judah, like my, everything cracked open for me. And, um, I believe like in a higher power. And I just think creatively, that's how my higher power wanted me to cycle that out, but I had to go through the muck and mire to get okay. there. Yeah. Um, and you know, my perspective, I'm, I have a stronger perspective. I, I tend to, I'm a jokester. I like to have fun. I mean, like, I think our first message together, I told you my life is messier than a wet fart because it fucking <laughs> is. Okay. Like it, it just is. I would rather be honest about where I'm at because then I feel like there's not this thing that people feel like they can't see themselves 
with, with what I'm, you know what I mean? Like where I'm at this level where they can't achieve. No, I, anyone can do what I'm doing. I can teach anyone to paint. I promise. Like, it's just a matter because I'm really, um, I'm an, a natural empath. Mm -hmm. So I tend to kind of scan. And a lot of that has to do with the way that I was brought up. It was a rough upbringing. Um, and I just learned to scan rooms, you know, so I'll just kind of scan around and figure out what do you like? The, well, let's focus on that. How do you learn? Because some people learn better with their hands than being told what to right. do. Right. So I, I will literally like, I'll grab my kid's hands and I'm like, it's this much pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because they learn <laughs> like I do, you know, they learn with their hands. Yep. Um, so I, I tend to try to meet people where they're at. Um, I want to have fun whenever it's something that's creative uh, or artwork related. And then I've pivoted this last season. Um, you know, I had a client, I, when I recorded with the mission guys, um, which I love them, uh, I did not do a good job of explaining like my why why okay. painting yeah and, and I want to touch base with that if if that's okay yeah keep going so um I literally painted because I needed to pay for groceries yeah like I did not know how to um how because I stepped away from my career I was just trying to bring in some money to alleviate what was going on with in my household right um and Literally, if you bought a painting within the last two years, you directly like paid for my groceries, paid for my kids uh, preschool. Like there's stuff that um, like I love to paint, but it, it bridged a gap for me that I don't have to worry about right now since I've taken a job this last summer, you know? So now going forward, any artwork that I take on, it's really um, just going to be to enjoy it or to do something special for my clients. I'm not like before you would see me pushing out a lot of work, like five paintings in a month, which is insane. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's hard to do. Um, but it was because I was just trying to pay for groceries. Okay. Like I'm just, just trying to take care of my family the only way that I knew how. Um, and now that I've kind of stepped away from that, I get to do some really fun projects and still grow and still learn and hopefully still kind of create some change or, um, be of help to different groups. You know, um, I have a really fun project coming up with, um, sunset goons. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with them? I no, I don't think so. They're great. It's like, they do mainly like apparel. Okay. Um, but they'll do, they have, uh, Barrett who runs sunset goons. Like he, uh, his design aesthetic, it, it it's like this old school tattoo feel, but it's yeah. really modern okay. and it's more veteran military based. Um, but we've picked out a design of his that, that's it's, um, I don't want to give, I don't want to give too okay. much. Weight. We're going to do a soft <laughs> release, but we've picked out one of his designs and um, I'm going to paint it and then we're going to auction it to raise funds for uh, Oath to Country Foundation. That's awesome. 
Yeah. So that's like my next big project that I have coming down. But because I get to do that now because I'm not worried about the basic things. Right. right? I'm right. using, I, I love, I like have this like love hate for people. I love people, but I fucking hate people. <laughs> I and get that. Do you do like, I think, I think the older we get, the more, we, the more we just don't tolerate <laughs> shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I get that. Year, I'm like, I, like, I get to the point where, um, I got, I'll do something and I'm annoyed at myself. <laughs> like, like, why the fuck did I just, why do that? did I do that? You know? <laughs> uh, but, but now that, uh, I've, I've started my career back up, I'm with a company that I love and that I believe in. I'm not worried about the basic things. So the art really just gets to grow. Yeah. I do talk about recovery and grief often on my Instagram because mm-hmm. Look, it would be really easy for me to go on there and to post pictures of myself, all cute, you know, maybe a little scandalous and get more followers. But it's really not about that. Right. It's it, I don't care about being that way. And, and I would rather use my talents and my gifts to keep helping people and and that's what I, that's what I have loved. I mean, just last night I got tagged in that photo. I didn't know that, um, Mike Glover was giving that painting away yesterday. And I'll I tell you yeah. the, the way that things happen is not by accident. I had a fucking terrible day yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. I yeah. cried a lot yesterday. And I kept telling myself, you're recording the podcast tomorrow. Your eyes cannot be puffy. <laughs> Fucking vanity, you know? And, um, and I was like, Oh my God, it just feels like it's all coming down on me, but it's, was, it wasn't that bad. I actually slept great. And I think what changed was I started working with my hands. So I was stuck behind a computer yesterday mm, yep. and, um, and I make it a thing because I'm inside working now and I love being outside. I love being outdoors. I love sunshine. I like to sweat. Um, I usually don't wear makeup, you know, unless I'm at work or doing some things. I, I, I tend to be a little bit more gritty. Yeah. Um, but I noticed that my personality, when I do not go outside, I am a fucking Debbie Downer. Me, yeah. I, I sympathize with that. Oh God. It's bad. So yesterday, like I made it a point for every day during my lunchtime, even if it's a short break, I go outside and yep. I in sunshine like that. They have found out that I do this. I take my, my radio and all the shit off of me. And I tell them like, don't call me because I'm not going to answer you. I am on my lunch break <laughs> and, um, and I'll sit in my sunshine, even if it's for 20 minutes. And usually it's the funniest moment of the day because you'll see me, I'll roll my pant legs up or roll my sleeves up or, you know, like if anywhere, anyone were to walk up on me, they're like, there's someone homeless back here <laughs> <laughs> eating, you know? Um, but I feel like getting that sunshine kind of resets me. And I didn't get to really do that yesterday. Yeah. So I just felt it right now that I've been in um, counseling long enough, I've been in therapy for two years, a little bit more than two years. And I work a, um, a 12 step program aside from that. But um, I, those things have helped me just become more aware of where I'm at. Yeah. 
So yesterday I knew you're really sad. And, um, sometimes that comes out with anger. So before you get angry, let's figure out why you're sad. Okay. You're lonely. You're a little down. Like you have a lot of shit going on. Okay. You're overwhelmed. What's going on. So I'm just like thought process. Right. Yeah. And what zapped it yesterday was I had to build a desk and work in my studio. And like, first of all, you should have heard the profanity that was coming out of my mouth building this desk. It was ridiculous. Um, but it's built and it's here. And then, um, and then right when I was finishing building the desk, Glover, who I don't know personally, yeah. I just, I, to me, like um, there are certain people that when you see them, they just kind of, they're a great leader. Mm-hmm. Like they just kind of command people and Mike, Mike with Fieldcraft, And I feel like it's the whole Fieldcraft team. Yep. I do not think it's just Mike, yep. but I think, I think he knows how to put people in the correct places. And this is from an outside perspective, right? I didn't know that he was giving that painting away um, yesterday and something that everyone should know. My favorite thing is when someone receives a painting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe I it. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am, like super down, fucking depressed and crying. And I'm like, you know, it's just because I wasn't outside and I didn't work with my hands. And I got really inside of myself. And that's that's something that I've I've loved that I know how to pause the breaks. Okay. Now it's like don't get too far in, in inside. Yep. Um he tagged me in that yesterday. And there's no I don't feel like there's acts, there's like mistakes. Right. You know, I felt like I, I got to see, um, that they were, it was actually a couple cause I had to talk to the wife. Um, but I got to see them take that painting home. Yeah. And I, when I give someone artwork, it is to up to, it's their discretion, what they do with it. Right. So right. I knew I was doing that piece for Mike, um, as a fundraiser, mm-hmm. but it was up to him on timeline or whatever. And honestly, like my life got so busy with starting work it's that I just kind of, I think about it, but it's yeah. not that I reached out to him. and was like, Hey, what are you doing with this? No, it was up to him. <laughs> like if anyone knows what to do with it, it's going to be him. Right. Yeah. And the fact that he posted that last night and he has no clue. He has no clue that, that I was going through that. And it literally changed my night. Yeah. Like it changed that moment. And then being able to talk to that couple and just tell them, hey, congratulations. Like, I'm so happy for you because I honestly am. Yeah. There is there is something with giving people artwork. Um, it's an honor to be in someone's house. Like homes are sacred. You know, I don't think um, in my culture, in Puerto Rican culture, we think about what are you bringing into the house? Okay. You better take your shoes off at the door. Sure. Because you don't know what you've walked through. You know, like they, like sometimes it goes into grandma superstitions, you know, um, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, but, but I think about like a home and the energy that the home has, and I would never want to, um, send a painting somewhere with like a negative feeling. Right. So whenever I'm painting, it's at my happiest time. I'm cycling through whatever I'm thinking. I'm usually listening to a podcast or listening to music. And then I feel like all of that 
all of that good intentions, I, in my mind, I'm sending that painting home with all of that good intentions. And that's if it's a foundation piece, like something that's raising funds, or if that's if, if it's a full commission piece, I treat them the same. Yeah. Um, I treat my clients the same. People who have given paintings to, um, I treat them just like they're paying me because I want the experience to be there. Okay. For, yeah. For yeah. me, it's like, hey, I want you to enjoy this. I want you to feel like you are buying a $2,000 piece. You know, or I want it to be whenever you get your portrait of like your, um, when I say dog, we really mean it's like a family member. And a lot of my work has been like canine um, memorial pieces, Mm -hmm. you know, so like that's a bond that can't be replaced. Right. So whatever I paint, it needs to have that feeling. Right. And then um, because I'm a natural empath. I'll try to find like little places to put in memories and paintings. Um, Mm. Like if you go back to some of my canine paintings, there'll be like a special collar that they wore and I'll do it in a color because um, that color was special to the handler. Right. You know, Um, or I'll I'll add like little tiny things. Like there's a painting of a canine and he has, um, he has his like rec specs on and it's black (laughs) and white. And if you look at the top corner, it says Aiden instead of Rex Specs. And the reason I did that is because the little boy that received that painting, his name is Aiden. Yeah. And it was going to his room. And I wanted him to have like um, a good memorial piece, but in the reflection, um, have, have something that was like really beautiful. It almost looked like a sunset in Utah. Okay. Um, and then his name right above it. So Whenever I'm drafting something, whenever I'm thinking about things, I usually think about the feeling before I ever paint whatever it is. And that's why my aesthetic is really strong. Yeah. You know, okay. um, if, if you notice with a lot of my artwork, I will start with the eyes um, and then I'll branch out from there. Because if I can get those eyes right, everything else will fall into place. But if I cannot get that gaze or that feeling right here, it doesn't come together. Um, and a lot of my artwork has kind of, um, has started there. I show at a gallery in Austin. Uh, it's actually in the Hill Country. It's in Dripping Springs. It's called Mercer Street Arts. Okay. The way that that happened was crazy. I mean, <laughs> I literally had been trying to get into an art gallery for months. And then COVID happened with our, uh, the, the, the actual lockdown. And I just thought, well, shit, like I'm never going to get into a gallery. I can't even get these motherfuckers to look at my artwork. You know, I'm like, (laughs) Hey, look at my portfolio. They're like, yeah, you know, Um, but, but I sent them a picture and the same day they asked if I could come in to interview. And this was during our quarantine. It was like, everything was starting to open up. Um, and I did, I, my sister was with me and I needed that extra set of hands. Cause they, they told me, and this is the first gallery that did this bring in however many pieces you want to show us. Really? Well, fuck, I'm going to bring you all of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> so like I did, I brought like six and I, I had this feeling from the time I started Judas painting, which was the, that line, the lion. Yep. And then you, I did a bunch of animals. And I just kept painting. I had no place 
to put them. Money was tight. So buying canvas was hard. I had to purchase canvas when I saw like a specific sale. And I, I would literally be like the coupon lady. Like I'm like, but for canvas, you know, I'm like <laughs> trying to find like all these resources. And, um, but I kept painting. I kept painting with the thought of it's going to go somewhere, even if it's not right now. And um, the gallery was like, bring in all those pieces. So everything that I had painted in between that time, I was able to take. That's awesome. And yeah. It was supposed to be a 30 minute, like, Hey, meet and greet, see your stuff. Ended up being two hours of just talking to me about my process and like about my artwork. And when I went to leave, they're like, so about this, we don't have the space, but we're going to make the space. That's cool. One of the owners actually gave me her full wall. Wow. The showcase. Yes. So I left, um, like they were like, you're not taking that home. That's staying here. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, um, so I, that's, that's how it came by. I mean, most of the time when you work with galleries, it's like a 50, 50. So if you go into an art gallery and you're like, okay, I, it's like $15,000, which is not far fetched whenever you're going into these higher, higher, okay. areas, right. So you go in a painting's 15 grand and you're like, fuck, that's a lot of money. Well, it has to be a lot of money because the artist is covering a lot of the, the bills. So they're okay. creatively they've painted it. They are essentially renting what the wall space. Right. So what's different about my gallery is I actually have set rent for the month. Okay. Instead of inflating the painting to try to cover. Yep. And then it's, uh, it's more of like a 35 split. So they get 35% of the commission. Okay. Uh, or like the profit. Sure. And then I get the difference. Um, most galleries will charge the artist for framing. Well, I don't like to frame my artwork. That's why all of the artwork that I do, the width on the side is really thick. Because right. It saves my client money. And people don't think about that. Whenever you walk past one of the sides of my painting, it's clean. It doesn't need a, it doesn't need a frame because right. I've already thought about that. I want to save someone money, but I want it to just be the artwork. And if they want to frame it, then they're totally okay framing it. But the problem with most galleries is that they'll charge you for that. Okay. Or they'll charge the artist. So then you start losing all of this profit. And then uh, something I love about working with Mercer street arts, it's really relaxed. And that's, that's, that's who I am as an artist you know, not as a person. No, no, I'm not relaxed. I'm fucking uptight. Um, I'm a perfectionist. You know, I, I work on something. This is art artistically, and this is in my personal life. I will work on something until it falls apart because I've worked on it so much, yep. you know? Yep. Um, but for, for me, you know how people always say, oh, just one more round or just one more right. And then something happens just on it's that always last one more. One, yeah. It's always one more. So <laughs> what I've had to train myself over the years is stop before you say the one more round. Okay. Like, um, and it, and it's, it's teaching me, um, but all of it is kind of, uh, it's growth. I use my platform. It's a very small platform, but I enjoy it. I don't care about having a ton of people 
following me. I care about a, pe- a lot of people being engaged and getting a break from the day to day. I like to teach. I like to show like, Hey, this is how my hand's moving. I know you can't really tell because it's on a time lapse, but I caught your attention just for a moment. Right. And it's not smoke and mirrors, right? You're seeing the process kind of unfold. And then, um, for me, like, this is how I show love. Um, this is how I have processed that grief as, um, I'm going to say as Americans, we don't grieve well, you know, it's like, um, get your shit together. Stop fucking crying. Well, no, you're sad. Like grief is just proof that love existed. (laughs) Yeah. That's very fair. Yeah. Okay. So when there's grief, it's actually the most honorable thing. And I've, I've traveled, like I've um, gone to the UK. Um, I went to Zambia on a mission trip when I was younger. And I will tell you, Zambians know how to grieve. Yeah. They will walk through the streets crying publicly they will. Um, and I was there when one of their former presidents passed every single community. These are people who don't have shoes, don't know where their food is coming from. They're holding each other, walking through the streets, crying for their former president who passed naturally. Yeah. You know, and here we're told to stop it, even as if it's a fucking tragedy. Mm-hmm. It, no, no, I, it cannot I would rather be an example of um, what hardship looks like when when good skills are applied, right? right? So like you have this situation that seems impossible um, and it's like, well, you got to find a way to process through it. And sometimes it is publicly yeah, and you're not weak for it. So you bring up a good point and I feel like I've, I've got a, a question and how, so I feel like you've figured out your way to express grief and kind of show kind of, I guess your form of love through painting and art. If somebody is trying to find their way to do it, I guess, have you learned how to like teach people or show people how to go explore that so that they can grieve in their own way too? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times it's just listening. Okay. Um, like I can teach someone, but anyone, and I know it like, it's, it's, it cracks me up when someone's like, I'm not artistic. I can't even draw a stick figure. I'm like, spend time with me. It'll be the best stick figure you ever draw, you know? Yeah. Like, um, but a lot of the times is they have to be willing to reach out. Okay. But something that's good about me is I'm really mindful. Like my former clients, anyone that's hiring me for a painting, like I talk to most of them still. Or I'll do this thing where it's like, hey, uh, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you. Did, did the art, not just like, I'm really good. I learned this with when I worked at Lexus. Follow-up is mm-hmm. really fucking important. Um, it helps you retain clients. But really for me, it just helps them stay attached, right? Right. right. Now, um, to be proper, I don't attach myself to too many guys. Just because... My aesthetic is a stronger aesthetic. So I naturally pull in more guys. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. I fucking love, I love men. I love honorable men. I love seeing men like struggle and get through the shit. You know, I love them seeing with their, seeing them with their families, you know, but I'm really careful to be too close because I don't want it to become muddled. Right. Um, and so for me, it, I'll just check up on people and find out 
where the fuck are you? Where are you? Like, are you sincerely struggling? And because when you process a painting with me, I get to know you, I get to know your family. I mean, as much as you want to share, right? Right. But it helps me when I understand, okay, I'm painting a gun. I could paint any gun, but what, why is that gun special to you? What memories is it? Can you send me photos? And then I'll start learning who they are. And then whenever I do that follow-up, it's like, Hey man, I just want to know that you're doing well. How's the family? Do you need anything? I have some clients that have been great clients and then they come into a place of struggle. It's like, Hey, can I send you groceries? Because I get to repay what they've done for me. Right. Um, So my main thing when I'm teaching someone is I really have to find out where they're at because I can teach anyone technique. I can't teach personality. I can't teach them how to process, but I can, but I can learn how they process. Right. Right. And sit down with them and say, Hey, like the eyes are like this whenever people are angry because they're holding a lot of tension in their face, you know? Um, And like with my kids, when I teach my kids, uh, I, I start them the same way I do a painting. Hey, we're going to start with the eyes. You know, my, my daughter asked me, well, why? I want to work on a feather. Well, we're going to start there because that's really what's the most important because it's telling you how that animal is feeling. Mm. Are they scared? Are their eyes really big? You know, so if I can teach a seven-year-old how to paint, I can definitely um, meet an adult where they're at. And help yeah. them cycle through some stuff. And uh, a lot of the times, like I'm not asked, I'm not asked, how do you start? I wish people would, because I'm always like, hey, motherfuckers, write me so I can give you some resources. <laughs> and they don't, you know, you so start? I'm like, whenever you're me. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I'll pick up with kids like um, uh, Joanna and Jake's oldest son mm-hmm. is very creative. While I was there recording the podcast with the mission prep guys, um, he drew me something while we were recording and I have it, I have it here. Yeah. So I, I was like, Oh, he likes, he loves to draw. Okay. Well, how do you draw in my aesthetic? It's scratchboard. If you're drawing with your hands, yeah. um, you're not ready to paint and I'm not there to teach you. How can I start you to where you can do something that looks like my artwork. It's scratchboard. So without asking, I just went ahead and sent them scratchboard. (laughs) (laughs) And my first drawing that I got for when I moved, it was, um, it was his, his drawing that I, I sent him scratchboard and he, they sent one back to me. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? That is super cool. Yeah. So for me, I'm just really mindful. Um, but I, that's just me, you know, uh, it's like, if I want to teach someone, I need to figure out how they process. I need to figure out how they learn. Um, this is kind of funny because this is, this is coming up this season. Um, do they know how to move their body? Cause a lot of people don't know how to move their hands properly. Sure. Like a lot of people don't know left from right with this has been something I figured out through starting jujitsu. I don't fucking know what <laughs> left is. <laughs> so let's learn, you know? Um, and it's a lot of like reteaching 
how to move. Because whenever people write, sometimes it's with a lot of pressure, but you can't do that. You can't do that with a painting, um, especially a face. Can't be a lot of pressure. It has to be super soft. Like whenever I have this, like whenever I'm painting a face, mm-hmm. it's the, the brush is really that dry. Yeah. You know, and I'm just barely going over it. You can't tell. You can't tell whenever I'm on a video. Um, but that's really, it takes, it takes a lot of patience. Okay. And that's something that I feel like it is a strong suit of mine. Um, I am really patient. I'm like, okay, we didn't get it. We're going to try again. Nope. Yeah. We didn't get it. We're going to try again. And almost to where it's a fault, like where it looks like I'm not moving forward, but it's, it's not that it's that I'm just letting things kind of build up naturally on their own. Progress, because yeah. my, yeah, because what I used to do is just control everything to where it would, it would make it worse. It would fucking fall apart because I'm trying to control everything um, or make it better. Right. So that's something that my 12 step program has really helped me with. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it, it's one of those things. It's like, can you learn to be assertive, but pause? Yeah, I can. Okay. Well then from that pause, you need to take that into action without dragging anyone else through the mud. Okay. We don't know how to do that. Right? right. That's not something that's usually taught. People like to point the fingers at other people because it's hard to say I fucked up. I fucked up. I fucked up so bad. I'm so sorry. You know? Um, and one of, one of my things is I'm quick to apologize, but really mean that apology. Sure. Um, but I think it makes me more approachable. So someone wanted to learn it's that I'm not holding back from who I really am, who I really am is like this, like, I tend to be a little bit more fast paced. Um, I do like to make, I like to make decisions slowly because I second guess myself a lot. Yep, I get that. You know, I'm, yeah. yeah. It, like this move, like I'm, we talked about, like I'm moving from Austin back to Fort Worth. Um, like this move has been uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I've gone through some shit. Yeah. And like I said earlier, sometimes it's really self-induced. Um, I am trusting that I am healthy enough to make decisions for myself and for my family and that anyone else that wants to be a part of that gets to be a part of that. And sometimes that comes out in my artwork. Yeah. You know? Okay. So of all the things that you've learned, is there, is there anything, whether that's getting into, you know, picking up the paintbrush when you're at rock bottom, you know, getting help, right. The 12 step, like you've mentioned, anything like that, that you've learned that you're like, man, people, people need to know, this about me or this is something I've learned that is people need to hear I would say can you take away any timeline that might be an expectation in your mind because sometimes we don't realize that in the midst of everything we've kind of given ourselves a an unspoken timeline or an expectation and um I think once you remove that you, and removing any expectations, you're along for more of a journey than saying, I'm not doing this right, or I don't feel well enough, or, you know, um, it, you, it stops a comparison because this way that I grieve is not the way that someone else is going to grieve. Right. Um, and then can you take, cause like when you're in the midst of loss, 
in any type, this could be a big career change. It could be, this could be an actual death. This could be um, the death of a, of a relationship or a friendship. Um, can, when we're looking at, at that, we need to understand there's a period of just shock. Yeah. Um, and once you kind of go through that shock, it's like, can you make sure like for me, I have to make sure that I'm not medicating it with, with anything like drugs and alcohol don't work for me. Right. Um, if they did, I would probably consider t- myself to be an alcoholic because of the way that I tick. Right. But I don't, for, for me, like the, it doesn't do anything for me. I can, yep. um, but what does happen is I try to control. Um, so in the same way that maybe someone would use drug drugs or alcohol to numb the pain well I go into this control factor and it's I try to piece things together or um, control like someone else's life like I have to check myself with my kids like am I allowing them to be kids and a lot of the times it's because of the grief has come up and has created a fear and there's something that about grief that makes you understand you're very human yeah right even if it's not a death, like if we're just talking about um, another type of loss, like a, a loss of career or career change, right? Like something bubbles up, that's a lot of fear. Um, so for me, I go into this place of like trying to control because I really ha- feel like the most human and most vulnerable um, and what has happened over time for me, because initially, like when I suffered the loss of my dad, I described it like there was a hole punched through my chest. Like I couldn't breathe. It was, um, I was in the state of shock for a long time. I was trying to help other people with their grief, which really just backburned everything for me. Um, and what's changed over time is I've had to look at myself as a person, like in three, like in three compartments, right? Where am I emotionally and mentally? Am I doing something physical and where am I spiritually and spirituality? Like I know some people believe in, in God for me, that's, that's, I, I say higher power. Um, but that, that, that doesn't mean it has to be a God. It could be go like uh, nature could be spiritually wherever your cup is filled. Right. 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 Um, so I had to take a look at my life physically. Am I moving every day? One of my closest friends and coaches, he knows when I am funky because I have not posted that I've worked out. Or like, he'll, he'll write me. He's like, when was the last time that you actually did like a training circuit? I'm like, well, thanks for calling me out on that. You know, (laughs) Um, because if I don't physically apply that energy, it stays inside of me like this vibration, right? Right. right. Like they talk about trauma and grief. When I say they, I, I mean, my therapist, we've described it like, Uh, looking at a still pond and then just watching one water drop go into the pond. What happens? It ripples out, right? And then it vibrates back. Well, 
it's the same thing inside of our body. We either walk around with that rippling effect and then it affects everyone around us. It affects every part of our life, or we have to give it a direction to go. And if it doesn't, it kind of stays inside like a vibration. Um, that's how I describe it. And like, I can, when I am anxious, I'll describe it like, Ooh, I'm vibrating. Right now. Like, <laughs> um, and so physically I go do something with my body, my hands, a workout, uh, right now I apply that with my jujitsu, yeah. um, mentally and emotionally. I, um, because I'm a natural empath, I have to look at, um, am I carrying someone else's feelings? Um, am I worried about someone else's feelings and where am I at with that? Yeah. Cause it's really not my responsibility to make it better for someone else. But I, I know that I want to do that, but it's not my responsibility. And a lot of the times I have backburned my own feelings um, to try to make it better for someone else. And that could be with my kids, right? Kids grief. Right. Like my children have an understanding of who my dad is. My, unfortunately, my son was really young. So I just have like, one or two photos with them together, but he doesn't have memories of my dad. Right. Um, but he'll ask questions and I make sure that I um, t- talk to them about what he liked. He loved the color red, right? So that bringing that up over time really does help heal, but also I'm giving my kids the place to be able to ask questions and grieve, which really mentally and uh, helps me kind of center myself. Um, my, my oldest, my seven-year-old, she is very emotionally equipped. I mean, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, this girl's going to rule the world. Right. So I have to understand that emotionally, I, I don't want that to bleed off into my family or into my children, sure. but that as a mom, I can help direct their grief while I'm still taking care of myself. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then the spiritual part for me, I catch myself like before I had this really muddled version of what a God was for me. And I, over time, it's really has changed. Um, I didn't realize that it, in my mind, I kind of had this like being that I could never please. I was never going to be good enough. Doesn't love me. Well, of course, spiritually, I'm going to be really sick if that's where my mind was. Right. Right. <clears throat> and I had to take that part and let it really grow over time and understand that it's not going to look the same for me that it's going to look for like to someone else like some of my closest friends their picture of a higher power or god or a, the universe or whatever is really nature um that's really where they receive their like their medicine is being out in the sunshine that's where they connect that's where they let stuff go and like for for me during this journey, I have a place outside where I feel the closest to what I consider to be my, um, my spiritual life, you know, um, actually like where my dad's ashes are buried. It's, um, it's at at the memorial, the DFW memorial out here, which is a veteran's cemetery, Mm -hmm. but where it is, 
it's the, it, there's water. It's, I can lay in the grass and just kind of have my time there. And, um, I'll watch like the birds come by. There's a bench there. My kids, my kids will sit with me, you know, and that's really where I feel now the closest to what I would say is my spiritual life. Um, like it's a perfect picture right there. So if anyone needed direction on where to go, I, I say, I hate the saying time heals at all wounds. I'm like, no, it doesn't actually sometimes with more time, you become more sick. Yeah. And, um, and then, and when someone says that it's really, I think they're trying to be compassionate and they don't know what to say. So they say something like that. It's like, let's just start with removing any expectation that time is actually going to make it better because it's not, it's what you do with that time, you know, and, and taking a moment to kind of honor yourself where you're at and understanding that, um, the feeling of loss is real and that it has to have some kind of direction. And I would say the best thing is to make sure that you are not isolated and that you at least have one person in your corner that you talk to or feel open to say like, I feel a little crazy right now. Um, or I feel this giant hole in my body. Like that's the only way that I could describe it. Um, and giving that direction over time because you've removed the timeline, I think is really what causes the healing. Yeah. I don't have it together. I'm just willing to keep trying and to find a way to, um, help others and to keep cycling through stuff healthy to where it's not an implosion in my house because I kept this resentment for years. Right. right? And never dealt with it. I think a lot of the times we pack stuff down, not even realizing it. So for me, when I connect to someone, I, I don't mean to, but I am kind of scanning them, figuring out where they're at. Um, first, I don't want to attach myself to someone who I deem not safe because I don't care if you're going to pay me a large sum of money. If you're not a good person, I don't want to do business with you. Right. Right. Um, And then for me, because everything's really personal and I use the little platform that I have, I try to use it to encourage others. Um, I want to make sure that I'm being a good example of like walk the talk, you know, like, okay, yeah, it's really easy to say recovery. And that's, that's an overused word. I think mental health sometimes is really sexy and people don't know how to really apply it or talk about it. You know, your podcast that you did with, um, it was, oh my God, I went blank. (sighs) A couple of weeks ago with Kaz. Kaz. Yeah. Kaz. That's pretty heavy. I just, I listened to it and I listened to it, you know, because people need to understand this is reality. Yeah. Yeah. We did two. We did, we did the first one talked about him kind of his overall life story. And then the second one was three attempted suicides or three. I don't know. Or no, they weren't all attempted, but three potentials. Yeah. So, and that's usually whenever I've gotten it. Okay. So to be really honest, yeah, I listened to the second one a few times. Yeah, because 
I, it's not that I enjoyed it. Right. I took more from it. Yeah. And I, I love to hear his background, but the fact that he was raw and willing to share, man, do I fucking respect people who are willing to say, this is what it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a, a tough episode. Yeah. After we finished recording, I was like, I need to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, you know, whenever you're um, emotionally invested into something and you're like, leave tired, you're like, fuck, I, man, I yeah. feel like I worked out hard yep. and I did, I just sat. It, I didn't do anything. Yeah. I didn't do I, anything. I've been through several. So I've gone through kind of the therapy and counseling rigmarole for, I think like 14 years off and on now. I think, I think this, I think next year will be 14, but just like off and on. And like recently, like when my wife and I started dating is when I really started to kind of hit it hard, went to a new, a new therapist. And, uh, uh, there was there was times that I would leave and I was like I have to go to work after this <laughs> like, yeah. like I am exhausted exhausted you know I have <laughs> so I have coupled my therapy days I start with therapy in the morning mm-hmm. um and then afterwards I schedule it to where I go to the range with my coach yeah because it has to like I am oh I'll be so tired after that I'm physically, but here's the thing. I'm going outside. I'm forcing myself to push through it. I'm forcing myself to learn. So in now I know in a high emotion um, scenario that I can handle myself much differently because I've gone, I like, I've pushed myself going, okay, I did that therapy session. Sometimes they're just shit bombs. You know, I'm like, I just, I don't want to do this today. And then, um, And then I'll get to the range and I'm like, okay, you're going to have to breathe through it. You're going to have to listen and be a good student. You know, um, one of the first times like working with guy, I told him, uh, I don't think I'm ready to carry. And he said, he looked at me and he was like, that was really wise. And I'm like, well, I don't have this inflated fucking ego. That's telling me (laughs) you have to, right. Yeah. Like I want to be a good student. And he was like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I said, I don't think I'm ready to walk around with this thing loaded. And he, yeah. looked, he, and he looked at me, he was like, oh my gosh, thank you for being so honest. <laughs> so I did. And I told him like, um, I, I want to be, being prepared for me is really, um, how do I keep myself to where I feel like I can handle myself within my own body? Because a lot of the times, See, creatively, this is like a superpower, right? I see vivid pictures. I think of like 20 things, but personally, it's like, what is my superpower creatively is my fucking kryptonite as a person. (laughs) It's a thing that causes me to not sleep. Um, It's a thing that causes me to carry pain. Yeah. The way that I do things. Yeah. You know, um, I worry for other people and it's like, I can't prevent someone else's crisis. Right. But God damn it, do I want to? And, um, and for me, it's like, okay, we have to take these like little tools that you're learning and yeah, I'll feel fatigued. There are days yesterday I was smoked. The last thing I wanted to do was build this heavy desk. And I did this Jersey flip to get this thing over here, you know, (laughs) 
flipped it. Um, like I was so angry, and but I worked with my hands and I cycled it out. And I thought when I started building, like when I started putting the studio together um, and cleaning up, because literally I'm living like with minimal things right now, right. Um, which is not like me. I like my comfort. I get my energy at home. Um, so when I got in, I was like, I'm too tired to do this. And, you know, I kept saying, I was like, I was drilling these legs and I'm like, I'm too tired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like talking to myself. And then by the end of it, I felt like, okay, you were not too tired. You were just really dramatic at the moment and you got it done. And it looked great. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I try to take these little tiny life lessons and apply them in different places. I really um, like we share and I'm going to briefly touch on it. Like my husband and I are separated and I love and respect him. So I don't talk about my marriage often like online, um, but that's really out of respect for him and where we're at. And then, so for me, I have to cycle a lot of that stuff um, through artwork and I have to cycle it in a very healthy way. And the most beautiful thing is like being mindful of not um, hurting others in the process of recovery or the process of things, um, you know, of like learning who, who you are. For me, I had to really cycle through things thoughtfully because the last thing you want to do is uh drag anyone including your family family you know extended family members friends work like mm -hmm. now that I have actual co-workers right I'm not sitting at home painting I have to be mindful of how my feelings are affecting the people at work Right. Really, that, yesterday I told one of the girls I work with, I said, I am so sorry. I'm very sad today. And I would like for you to tell me if, um, it's affecting you yeah. because I honestly don't want it to. Right. So right. I'm aware, I'm aware of, of what that looks like for me. Um, and then the artwork is just how to filter it out. But for a lot of people, it looks different. I would say if you're in the midst of grief or, and grief looks like anything that's for, uh, friendships, that's for work relationships. I think half of the time that I attract the people that I do with my artwork is because they have gone through a significant life change, right? An identity shift at yeah. some point. And we all experience that at some point or another, um, and it's learning how to cycle it out. The artwork, yes, absolutely has given me a place to cycle that out. And what I want to do is keep bringing people in to help that process keep going. Yeah. Um, but really meeting them where they're at. You know, uh, like if I go, if I have to work through something, um, in my relationship, we usually meet outdoors in a place where we enjoy, Right. you know, um, if I have to work something with my kids, I get down to their eye level, right. 
And I look them in the eye and I tell them, mom loves you. And I don't think this was the best decision. <laughs> the next time we can choose something differently, right? you know? Right. And I, for, for me as a mom, I'm so honest with my kids. Cause I think so, so, so many of the times, like we're like, well, you can't let them see you sad. So you see moms crying in the closet. What the fuck? No, cry in front of the kids and say, sometimes mommy is sad, but you don't have to make me feel better. It's not your job to make me feel better, but oh my gosh, would I love a hug from you whenever you're ready. Right. Right. I'm very anxious. I am a very anxious person. I probably it's attributed to the way that I grew up. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't want to, um, I don't want to give my childhood too much credit. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so for me, it's like, um, as an adult, I have to understand, okay, you're really naturally really anxious, but what's causing you anxiety. And then we just kind of go tick, 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 tick. And a lot of the times for me, it's just, I'm overstimulated. And one of the fastest ways to get me out of my, me to get me out of my head yeah. is um, painting because I have to focus on something else. Yep. yep. Um, like I have to focus on, okay, you're moving your hands this way. And, and, um, or I do this like trick. It's my therapist taught me. It's like the five senses. So you look at five things you, and you say, okay, I see these five things. And then you go down to four. I hear four things. I feel three things. Right. Um, and you kind of go down the five senses. And usually that's how I shock myself. If I'm not painting, that's how I'll trigger myself to calm down. Yeah. Um, Cause I'll get anxiety at work or something, which is, it is crazy. I can d- almost diffuse anyone, which is, uh, it's incredible. I, I can talk to just about anyone and get them to kind of calm down. Um, which is why I do the work that I do right now. It's not, it's not just because it's good customer service It's because I want to grow a brand. Right. Right. But I need to functionally understand what doesn't work or, and then, and then kind of go through this. So I really just use my personality. Um, and it's like all of my strengths. I use it as best as I can with whatever I'm doing. If that's at the range with my coach, if that is in a class, because now I've started BJJ, which is literally making me a better person. Yeah. I mean, understanding that I um, am safe is a very big thing for me. Yeah. And I think um, it's, I think we're, I think it's highly underestimated, yep. but it's like, how do I hold myself in a uh, public place? Well, BJJ is teaching me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I had a classmate ask me the other day, what brought you in? And I, and I openly said, and I, I've always um, altered this answer. And I think I was honest for the first time. I said, I experienced uh, a moment of violence. Right. And I'm really careful to word it that way because I don't feel like a victim. Yeah. I feel, and that could be that could be really weaponized or it could be manipulated or it could make myself the martyr. Right. And I don't feel like any of that. I feel like it has that experience. That moment has brought me to the place of, um, more understanding. It has forced me to do 
uh, really good therapy work. It forced me into a solid 12 step program. And now I'm learning how to use my body in a way where I can say, Oh, that's close enough. I had to do that with one of um, the neighbors the other day. You know, like I'm more aware of my surroundings now. Um, But I really think that, that the spirit and the way that I'm taught um, is giving me a lot of my life back that I had essentially taken from myself because mentally I was taking it from myself. I was saying, no, you're not enough. No, 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 no. You can't handle this. No. How are you going to feed these? You know, like all, all that shit was going in there. And now it has other places other than just the artwork to cycle through. Yeah. And like, and one of the things is it's not that I embrace failure, but I do understand that it has a purpose. Um, so when I'm in it, I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like everything's falling apart. And then now it's like, okay, it's not falling apart. You just feel like kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll like push into it. Like when my coach who understands my history, but, um, when my coach comes into play, she literally throws that hammer down on me in the right way. You know, (laughs) Yeah. like I look forward to getting fucking choked out, which is really like, that's, (laughs) But, (laughs) but I look forward to making mistakes in BJJ because I know I'm going to learn from it. And then because she's a solid coach, I just mimic her technique. Well, I do that with a lot of this stuff. Like that's, I do that a lot with um, artwork. I've had to figure out that technique. Okay. Well, the way that that person does it doesn't work for me. Right. So then I, I switch and then, um, with, uh, with anything handgun related, I, I hate, I hate working with handguns and everyone's like, why? I'm like, I don't feel in control. That's yeah. why. Yeah. You know? Handguns suck. Yeah. Fuck. And then I've realized, oh, so much of it is a grip. Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. Well then just work on the grip. But why? Because that's a coach got me to that place. Right. But what I hope to see in my future is to start being able to switch all these things that I've done and to start coming into the place where I can teach it. If that's artwork, I would love to do that. Um, in my, in, in my process, I do have people who I, I help now, but it's really, I'm not helping. Right. I'm just listening. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And then if they need a little direction, I will direct. And I really keep that. It's like woman to woman. Um, that way it doesn't cross any lines. Right. And then, um, like I've gone down to the place where I cut my DMS like at 10 PM. No, nothing good happens after 10. (laughs) So like, I'll make sure if it's not a close friend, I am not answering messages. I don't answer text messages. I don't answer direct messages after that time. They can just wait for the next day because during that time, there's something about cycling down that your body really needs to regulate. And I think we've gotten a little bit away from it. Um, and I have like a process to do that now where I'm trying to get my sleep back. I, I have a, um, I have a, Okay. 
two things. I, I have been in counseling for a long, longer than two years, yeah. but it's because I, I went through something in my early twenties. Um, and then was like misdiagnosed a few things and come to find out I'm, I was diagnosed with PTSD by an actual therapist who that's what they work with. They work with PTSD patients. Sure. Um, and I, understand getting that it was, I, I don't like the disorder part of that because functionally there's a place for it. Right. But it's just getting the brain to calm down enough to understand, like you're not in that situation right now. Yep. And then over the years I've applied different, different things to kind of get away from that. So I have, I, I feel like, um, I should talk, I should have touched on that subject just in case there's someone who's struggling with it, because a lot of the times people who have that are misdiagnosed with like, um, bipolar disorder or severely depressed, but it's not, is that you're vividly going into a place where you don't know how to stop, Sure. you know? So it's, it's like not safe skills. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're not safe or you're reliving something. I could, I could be at a traffic light and a situation come up. Boom. It's like, I'm there. Like yeah. the picture is in front of me. Um, I it's happened before at a traffic light. That's why I bring that, that one specifically up to where I was like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if that's a red light, a green light. Like, I don't know where to go. Yeah. I had to pull over and kind of cycle through some stuff. And this was before I did the therapy that I'm mm-hmm. in now. Um, but one of those things was going forward, like any coach that I have um, or any mentor that I have have in my life, they know everything. Yeah. I do it for accountability and I do it for growth, but also because they need to understand where to meet me and then how to help me grow. Um, but yeah, I, I got off on such a tangent. Dude. So sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. It's good. It's good information. So I think the one, the one question I'm thinking of right now is, is when you start talking about, um, I guess kind of being transparent with people, um, about where you're at, what advice do you have for people to get to that same point? Well, it's first is to realize like how isolated are you? Because when we're in trouble, we usually isolate, which is really the opposite thing that we should do. Um, Honestly, like I only have a few people in my life that are close to me, but those few people I know are going to pour into me and they're going to pour into my kids or whatever, whatever the situation is. Right. Um, And the advice I would say is you have to see, I like the biggest flag is, are you isolating? Okay. And then from there is who is in your corner? Because what we do not realize, we have a lot of people who are willing to help us, but they, that we don't give them credit, right? We don't take the time to realize that they're in our life for a reason and that their skill set or whatever they're in the midst of can be applied to me to help me come up, right? So one of the things in my recovery is like, I'm going to go through my recovery really cycling through stuff because I'm willing to reach out and not first, not isolate. 
And then second is just taking a really bold step of being honest and asking for help. But you have to do it with someone who you trust. A lot of the times people who are in the, sh- the, in the shit, it's because their trust has been broken somewhere. Yeah. Right? Right. And they don't know how to ever get there. And unfortunately for some people, they never get out of that. Yeah. They never get out of that cycle. And um, I would love to see people coming more out of that cycle and understanding that um, as a human, we're all going to fail at some point. We're going to hurt each other. Um, it's just not doing it again, you know? So not isolating, finding that one person to really put in your corner. There's usually more than one. Yeah, That's what's happened to me That's this true. last season. I just was honest about needing help. And, and, it's, and it was, all the help was there, not just for me, for my entire family, right? I have asked for help going forward because I realized that doing things alone made me really, really mentally ill. Like it made me sick inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. It made me feel like it made me feel like there's no way up. And um, I think one of the biggest things is realizing because with someone who's experienced depression throughout their life or experienced hardship, let's just say hardship, right? Because um, maybe people cannot um, see themselves in that depression, depression, right? So with someone who's experienced hardship over their life, they're kind of always scanning and waiting for things to happen. And one of the big things is making sure that they have enough tools in place just to kind of snap out of it, reach up, you know, to stop scanning because they're, at some moment, like, we're just going to, okay, it's not going to keep going down. Like you, I tell everyone I had to get to the down to be able to go, to grow. Right. Like there is a fluctuation, um, that happens and it's really, it's the same feeling. It's just a different mindset, same situation, different mindset, you know? And a lot of the times we just get stuck in this mindset of like hardship and we can't, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and that's a, that's like a daily thing for me. I have to check myself where I'm at that day. Um, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think that we do enough to, um, take like a, we call it like a daily inventory, but it's not, it's, 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 it's different for every person, right? We take in, what did that day look like? And did I help someone? was I good? Because so many of the times we'll, we'll focus on the one thing that's bad. And then there's like 10 good things that are surrounding it. And it takes all 10 things, 10 good things to cancel out that one bad thing in our mind. Right. 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 Um, and then, uh, you know, for me, it's like the path that I've carved in my mind over the years is the path that's easiest traveled but for, I have to start forging in different ways. Yep. And, I and get that. It's very painful, but it's really beneficial. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm fresh out of questions. I know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I talked your ear off and I'm, I have loved listening to your podcast. I'm, well, thank you. 
I'm a podcast gal. I do very well listening to stories and I think like you're a good storyteller. Um, and then I, I guess going forward, if someone has questions about maybe how to move forward or how to start art, I really mean write me if you want to know <laughs> how to start painting. I say it all the time. And I'm like, I know you want to start just like, it's so funny because I even have like the Amazon stuff ready to be like, this is what you need, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I think like that I process like that. It's kind of funny. Um, and then in the future, like I really, I have some good things lined up with Mercer street, the art gallery. I yep. have, um, that, um, I think going forward, because now I'm working full time, it's harder to paint. Like I have to be really conscious of like my time. Oh my gosh. There's not enough time in the day. No. Um, but going forward, I'm going to try to do one fundraiser a season. Um, I know that, um, master chief is behind me and I've, I have a foundation that I have talked to. They're just not ready to, um, move forward. Right. So he's just going to stay with me until the, until they're ready or the right one comes. And I know that I was supposed to follow up with that. So you're not asking question, but it's again, me inserting myself into do it. Yeah. So, um, so, but going forward, I would like to do one foundation piece a season. I do life in seasons. Like I don't, I never, you know how people say, fuck my life. I'm like, no, 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 no. Fuck the season. Yeah. You know, season sucks. Your life doesn't suck. <laughs> um, so like I, when I talk about seasons, I, I really just mean like, of, I, sometimes I do mean like summer, fall, winter, but really I just mean like a chunk of time. Right. Um, so for the next year, what I'm hoping is that I get to do one painting for one season for one foundation. Okay. Um, and, you know, I hope to to keep growing. I hope to keep doing podcasts and having fun. I do plan on going back to um, Boise because I fell in love with Boise. It's hard not to. Yeah. So good. But I actually want to take like a chunk of time to get outside of the city and to go. Yep. Right. Cause There's I've a seen lot mountains. I've only, yeah. I've only seen tropical mountains. That's not the same, you no. know? Um, uh, and I, I want to experience that. I want my kids to experience that <clears throat> we do better outside. So I, I, th- I guess like going forward is, um, I get to actually plan family vacations again and plan things around, um, I guess productively looking at my seasons now. Right. So I think on Monday we'll do that soft launch of what we're doing with sunset goons. Okay. Um, for oath to country. And then from there, it is whatever, um, gets happens, happens. I, yeah. Like, um, they say everything happens for a reason. I think that's BS. I think everything happens because you make you it happen. Curated it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, thank you so much for, having me on i hope i didn't ramble too much no it was great i enjoyed it so talked a lot um, good if people want to find you well how if they want to if they want to start painting and, and you've got amazon links 
How do yeah. we get a hold of you? So um, send me a DM through Instagram. I'm most active there. Uh, that's JM Artworks, and Artworks is spelled with an E instead of an O. Uh, so JM Artworks, period, studio. <clears throat> and then uh, I have a Facebook, and I also have a website, jmartworks.com. Um, I'm about to, have, oh, I have a logo that's being done. Nice. So I'm going to restructure my website. I built my website a few years ago and it's nice, but I think it's ready for like a change. Right. And, um, as soon as that, re- that logo is ready, I think I'll launch some good stuff. Okay. And then, um, but yeah, send me a DM if you want, uh, information on how to start painting, Do you know what? I always tell people, and this is the truth. Bob Ross is really the best art resource. (laughs) Watch Bob Ross. (laughs) Not the new Netflix series. Old school Bob Ross. Like his way of taking uh, paint. He actually went through shit. He lost his wife to cancer. And um, a lot of his painting techniques, if, if you are mindful, you will find out that he's actually talking about grief and cycling through it, but teaching at the same time. Really? Yeah. Yep. And um, so Bob Ross, I, I seriously mean that. I mean, go watch him move his hands and you'll understand it doesn't take a lot of technique. It just takes a lot of patience, right? Sure. And, but as far as like materials, I'm really picky about materials. So I'll give people the, the links because the worst part is to start painting and for your painting to not look the way that it does, but it's because you have shitty materials. Sure. Not because your technique is shitty, right? It's because there's not a pit, enough pigment in the paint or whatever. So um, I say, send me a DM. You could always uh, email me through the website or I have a Facebook. So, okay. Cool. Well, I'll make sure the website and Instagram is linked in the episode description and that way people can harass you. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Jess. Is there anything else that you want to get out there before we wrap her up? No, I just, I hope that my message is more of a message of encouragement, you know, Yep. and um, I, I hope to see that grow. So uh, thanks for your time. And it's been a wild ride today. It has. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode with Jess. I feel like I learned quite a bit as far as being able to tap into, um, honestly, emotions and being able to think about things a little bit and uh, maybe finding a couple different ways to um, cycle through, to use her verbiage, um, some either emotions, thoughts, current situations, things like that. So I hope you all feel like you gleaned some good information as well. Um, But linked in the episode description will be both her website and then also uh, her Instagram page. I would encourage you all to go take a look because the artwork she does is honestly amazing it's uh it's extremely detailed super cool she's got a master chief um uh oh gosh it's like a is it a painting or scratch i I really i'm not artistically inclined um but it is super cool so i would highly encourage you to go take a look follow her and uh let's get her some support and uh, see if we can't grow uh, her work as well but i hope you all have a wonderful day and we'll catch you next time (laughs) 